Hello and welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we walk into the dark and clouded unknown to tell stories and analyze the likes of cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries for our and hopefully your amusement. I am your soaring like an eagle of a host, Gary, with my wife and co-host, Goldie Ann. Hello, Goldie Ann. Hey there, Gary. How are you doing today? I am doing very well. That's it's cool. beautiful weather and I'm all excited about our podcast for today. Awesome. But on the negative side, Goldie Ann, do you know what they call a sick eagle? A sick eagle? Yes. What do they call a sick eagle? Sickle? <laughs> no. <laughs> An illegal. Oh, Jesus. Really? Yeah. And with that, we can now continue on with some great news that we have. Paranormality Magazine just named us as ranked five of the top six paranormal podcasts for the month of April, as voted on by our listeners. Because of that, it's all due to your support. So thank you to everyone. Six months strong. Thank you, guys. Exactly. We've been on the list six months now? Um, yeah, within the top ten. Six months. Nice. It's somewhere inside that top ten. Yes. We haven't been number one yet, but yeah. we're getting there. With that in mind... Yeah, but I don't know. Number one is pretty cool. They were pretty good. Yeah. With that in mind, please check out their latest issue, either digitally or in print. The best part is that the current issue features Lyle Blackburn of the Falk monster fame. You know, the Beast of Boggy Creek. So, and, sorry, and he's the lead singer of Ghoul Town. That's true. So, extra awesome. Yes, a rock star, cryptozoologist, and now has his own line of... Sauces, hot sauces. That's so awesome. So, you man of many talents. And the girls like him too. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing a plug in there for him. Oh, I'm sure he appreciates it. I don't think he needs your help. <laughs> I don't think so either. All right. Well, we will be placing a link to the magazine in our show notes, as well as a direct link to the voting for May. So, if you want to continue your support of our podcast, go ahead and click on the link and you can vote up to three times for. Three different podcasts or three of the same the same one. Switching gears, today's episode contains stories about birds large enough to attack and carry off children. What? Some members of the audience might find this a bit unsettling, so please be forewarned. We are storytellers who have gathered information on some of our favorite mysteries to bring to you. We don't attempt to scare our listeners on purpose. Well... Maybe just a little. I do. Listener discretion is always advised. <laughs> so now, Goldie, let's take a walk within the mist. The Native Americans have spoken of legends involving a flying creature with a wingspan more than twice the length of one of their war canoes, which were 20 feet at the time. Wow. To the Pacific Northwest, Plains, and Northeastern tribes, it was actually a god in animal form. Sightings of these Thunderbirds are almost as numerous as those of the Sasquatch. Instead of trying to cover the entire spectrum of the legendary cryptid on our podcast today, we decided to present the case of a particular flying creature and its effect on the community and the public afterwards. Today, we discuss the Lawndale Thunderbird. That's pretty awesome. See, actually, I, I don't know, I guess I didn't really realize that there were different ones, like there are different Sasquatches. So this was pretty cool for me to check out. Well, in general, Sasquatch Bigfoot is a whole genre of 
creatures or cryptids. Yeah. You have the skunk ape here in Florida. You have the grass man in Ohio. You have Momo. I mean, you have the beast of Boggy Creek. There's so many different ones that you could focus on. Right. The same is true for the Thunderbird. I had no idea. So today we're just going to focus on one Thunderbird uh, incident. Let's get started. I can do that. Chapter one, carried off. The day started as you could picture any hot summer evening for the Lowe family of Lawndale, Illinois. The air carried the aroma of food cooking on the grill. Children were playing games with one another in the family's expansive yard, and adults were talking with one another while leaning back in their lawn chairs. Everyone was simply enjoying the evening of July 25th, 1977. That was until the sun began to draw long shadows at approximately 8.10 p.m. While the Lowe's were cleaning up after the dinner barbecue, this left the kids to continue playing outside. Ruth, the matriarch of the Lowe clan, was cleaning up in the kitchen where she couldn't see her children at the time. That was when she heard a piercing scream and everything turned from peaceful to terrifying. The concerned mother was shocked as she ran outside to discover the source of the commotion. She arrived just in time to watch as two massive birds were chasing her 10-year-old son, Marlon. The flying creatures were pecking and clawing at his shoulders, grouped together in a tight wingtip-to-wingtip formation. The larger of the two birds sunk its claws into the panicked boy's shirt and then lifted the 56-pound boy off the ground. Ruth didn't have time to question whether her eyes were playing tricks on her while she stood on her back porch. Her maternal instincts overtook her instead, and she rushed in the direction of her son, who was battling against a huge bird that was carrying him two feet off the ground. Oh, my God. The mother raced with the adrenaline only available to a parent protecting their child. The bird was no match for this defensive mother. Ruth kept attacking the bird and it dropped her now-terrified son to the ground. After carrying him over 35 feet... I hope it didn't drop him at 35 feet. No, he only got about two feet in the air, but it carried him for a distance of 35 feet. Oh, okay, good. Like, whew, it's not painful. Well, I'm sure it was. The bird gave up the chase and then joined its mate as the two birds flew away in the direction of nearby Kickapoo Creek. The family dog reportedly didn't bark at the birds, and this dog barked at everything. He didn't want to be carried away. He's like, who, take him, not me. Sorry. (laughs) Such loyalty. Man's best friend. After the incident, the Lowe's went to the police. They were laughed out of the precinct. However, the incident occurred in front of seven eyewitnesses, all of whom described the same scenario. In her statement to the police, Ruth described the bird as such, quote, It had a white ring around its half-foot-long neck. The rest of the body was very black. The bird's bill was six inches in length and hooked at the end. The claws on the feet were arranged with three front and one in the back. Each wing, less the body, was four feet at the very least. The entire length of the bird's body from beak to tail feather was approximately four and a half feet long. Damn. Now, in a statement given to the Freeport Journal Standard, which appeared on July 28th of 1977, 
Logan County officials said the story is not being discounted because of the number of credible eyewitnesses who reported seeing a bird strong enough to lift a child. Nice. This item appeared in the July 28, 1977 edition of the Boston Evening Globe. Headlines carried off. Ten-year-old Marlon Lowe and his mother, Mrs. Ruth Lowe, claimed that one of the two large blackbirds with eight-foot wingspans tried to carry Marlon off in his claws Monday evening in Lawndale, Illinois. Although several bird experts say that no bird native to Illinois could lift the 60-pound Marlin, Mrs. Lowe says that the Marlin was carried 20 feet before the bird dropped him when he struck the bird with his hand. Nice. So this story traveled as from Illinois as far as Boston, Massachusetts. Ruth holds to the fact that had she not come outside at that very moment, she was convinced that the enormous bird would have carried her son away. Now, after the story came out and the newspapers were publishing it, the story was met with skepticism and even ridicule as occurred with any eyewitness accounts of cryptids. As their story was circulated around the local press, Marlin became known to his schoolmates as Bird Boy. That's and rude. Very rude. Very unfair the way children pick on each other. But oh, yeah. He was called Bird Boy, and worse, dead pigeons were tossed onto the Lowe family's back porch. Wow. Rude. The ridicule kind of caused the Lowe family to go into hiding, but the story continues. Chapter 2. Cahokia legend. It is at this point that the Lowe story gets very interesting. There may have been evidence to prove the Lowe story beyond just their testimony. There are legends that exist in Illinois about a mysterious giant birds, exactly like the pair that were encountered on that July evening. These date as far back as the Cahokia tribe an advanced and largely urbanized chiefdom on the banks of the Mississippi River that eventually died out during the 13th century. The beliefs of the Cahokia tribe were filled with fantastic creatures. They made designs of serpents, dragons, and monstrous birds that covered the cliff walls around the former Cahokia lands. These served as a religious purpose and warning to strangers of potential dangers when entering the tribe's territory. They knew about it. Exactly. In fact, the most famous of all these cliff drawings is what is now known as the Piazza Bird, a massive drawing etched into the limestone cliffs outside of Alton, Illinois. It was first documented in 1673 by the Jesuit minister Jacques Marquet as he was exploring the area. The image clearly shocked him and his party to the core as he wrote in his journal, quote, we saw upon one of them two painted monsters, which at first made us afraid, and upon which the boldest savages dare not rest their eyes. Wow. They are as large as a calf, and they have horns on their heads like those of a deer. A horrible look, red eyes, a beard like a tiger, a face somewhat like a man's, a body covered with scales and so long a tail that it winds all around the body passing above the head and going back between the legs, ending in a fish tail. The portrayals of this demon bird were described as some sort of hybrid reptilian bird, though in later descriptions the creature became more bird-like. 
The native legends held that this creature was large enough and capable of snatching up and eating a fully grown man. Mm-hmm. There you go. The Cahokia tribe called these birds Thunderbirds for the sound they make when they flap their giant wings. They were considered to be highly intelligent. These creatures alternated between preying on and assisting the tribe whenever they pleased. So it's kind of hard for them to know if they were friend or foe. The Thunderbirds figure prominently in the legends of other Plains tribes as well, including the Lakota, who believe that the birds embody the supreme being that created all living things on Earth. Thunderbirds and their images are displayed prominently on totem poles throughout the Native American community. So there's a strong belief amongst Native Americans in the United States in these giant Thunderbird creatures. Cool. Now, tragically, by the 19th century, the original Piazza bird drawing was destroyed by weather and vandalism. Ah, of course. But it has been consistently redrawn and carefully maintained since then based on the sketches of the original drawing. That's good. So it's still there for people to see. Yeah. I mean, vandals just don't realize, you know... The history. The history, you know, it's like that's there that people need to learn of. Well, and for some people to be act as a warning for them. Yeah. So the lows would have appreciated the warning say, exactly. of Piazza Bird. The lows could have, you know. They could have benefited from this. <laughs> What's worse is that chapter three, discovering that the drawings are real. Bingo. There were a rash of sightings of massive birds in the 1940s in and around Alton, Illinois. These occurred not far from the Piazza drawings. Amongst these sightings were documented on April 4th of 1948. It was reported by an army colonel named Walter F. Sigmund as he was conversing with a local farmer and saw an astonishing sight. He wrote, quote, I thought there was something wrong with my eyesight, but it was most definitely a bird and not a glider or a jet plane. It appeared to be flying northeast, and from the movements of the object and its size, I figure it had to be a bird of tremendous size. His would not be the only sightings of the enormous creature. A mere few days later, on April 10th, there would be another sighting in the skies above Alton, although it was a very brief one. And on April 24th, the bird was back, and this time, a multitude of people saw it. Wow. Flight instructors at a local airport described the largest of the birds casting a shadow as big as a piper cub from 500 feet up. Question, what's a piper cub? This is a small prop airplane, so kind of the traditional ones that you see in TVs and movies where, you know, it has the wing and then the people get in and it seats maybe four or five. Okay. So it's kind of a small little prop plane. Okay. But pretty large for a bird. Yeah. In fact, other eyewitnesses maintained that the birds were as large as small airplanes and far more humongous than any eagle they had ever seen. Scientists have attempted to discredit these reports, stating that perception in the air is distorted due to the lack of comparisons, as would occur to those on the ground. So according to them, when you see something in the sky, you don't have anything to base exactly. it on, you know, except for clouds and other objects in the air. So, but you don't know how big that is either. Exactly. So they're saying that their perception might be offset because of 
perception in the sky. Okay. However, eyewitnesses held true to their description and the sizes of the bird-like creature they observed, and more reports came in. Well, yeah, if they saw it next to a plane, then they knew. They were definitely comparing it to the plane. Then, as sudden as the creatures appeared, the birds were gone, never to return, that is, until 1977. 1977. That's when we had the Lawndale incident. So, about 27 years. Yeah, okay. But it is very interesting that an area that warned people against the Piazza bird, a giant bird creature that's capable of swooping down on people and actually swallowing them, started having making appearances during the late 1940s. Right. And multiple people saw it. And then it disappeared, and now it's back a little bit farther away distance, but it's back and attacking a child playing in the backyard. And there's a lot of legends that follow that. You know, they're gone for so many years, come back, go dormant, come back, go dormant. So this could be a case of the migration of these giant birds. There's also scientific information. Chapter 4, Child Snatching. The case of children being snatched by large birds is not unique, and there has been a credible and very similar case of a giant bird attack which occurred on September 23rd of 1929. The newspaper article from Somerset, Kentucky wrote that a George Meese, who was aged 8, of Ruth, Kentucky, was seen picked up by a bald eagle and carried aloft 10 feet before the bird dropped him. Wow. The boy weighed 50 pounds and was playing with four companions on a hillside when the eagle swooped down and fastened its talons in the slack of George Overalls. The shouts of his friends caused the eagle to drop him, plus the weight and inability to really fly off with the boy. Right. The boy was rendered unconscious in the fall but rallied after 30 minutes. He said the eagle had a wingspan of about 10 feet, which is kind of accurate for a very large bald eagle right so here we had a case that a bald eagle swooped down attacked a boy and attempted to carry him off so there has been cases of very rare the cases of documented bird attacks on children where they are lifted up in the air in fact the national audubon society has reported cases of pets being snatched and carried off by birds of prey and that still happens today. And there's warnings all the time. Right. However, the size of the animal is usually very small, and only the larger raptors have a wingspan and strength to perform such a feat. Right. Dr. Pete Lands, the Director of Emergency and Critical Care for St. Francis Veterinary Center in Swedesboro, New Jersey, told of an incident in which a colleague described a hawk picked up a client's small dog and carried it away. Yeah, that's that's common here. The owner of the dog got into his truck and tried to follow the bird as it carried his dog, but he quickly lost sight, said Dr. Lands. Luckily, this story had a happy ending. Thank goodness. The dog was recovered two days later in a fenced yard about a mile away with only some mild scrapes and scratches. That's pretty lucky. <laughs> yes. So the bird was able to lift off with him, but wasn't able to carry him to the full distance that he needed to. So the the dog went on for a flight of about a mile distance and survived to tell this tale. Right. But these are eagles. These are small birds. 
that can pick up that much weight. No, so think are... about what a thing a Thunderbird could do. Well, exactly. The heaviest recorded and verified weight that a bird was able to lift was 15 pounds, and this was held by a bald eagle and was documented that he was able to lift a mule deer fawn of 15 pounds weight. Exactly. But like I said, I mean, yeah, bald eagles are big to us, mm-hmm. but it's not Thunderbird big. Well, there have been cases where bald eagles were recorded preying on livestock, with some weighing as much as 24 pounds. And this has been reported that it all depends on the wind conditions of whether or not the birds were able to lift up the larger right. livestock or not. That makes sense. Bald eagles possess a wingspan of six to seven and a half feet in length. So you assume that a seven-foot wingspan able to carry 24 pounds. Therefore, if the reported wingspan of the Lawndale Thunderbird is correct at being twice that, then it's not as unrealistic to believe that such a creature could be capable of lifting twice as much, or a 50-pound boy. Precisely. Now, another thing to remember is that many of these raptors are not shy about attacking in residential areas. People have reported their small dogs being attacked in their own backyards. So it should not be surprising that the case of the Lawndale Thunderbird attacking in the backyard of the low residence is unusual. Birds of prey include hawks, eagles, owls, ospreys, kites, and falcons. Sometimes vultures are even included as birds of prey. So these are all birds that have been known to swoop down on animals and carry them off. Now, should the Thunderbird be included on this list? Well, I think, in our expert opinions... (laughs) Very loosely stated... I, I, as I said that, I, I realized what I meant. What I mean in the paranormal expert opinion, it should be. But to the normal person out there that are skeptics, you know, they don't even believe in them. So they're not going to allow it. Agreed. Now, the description of the bird, if we assume that that was correct, We're talking about a bird with a very large wingspan, which is a case in point for birds of prey. Mm -hmm. It had a hooked beak, much like a vulture or other birds of prey have. Right. So in everything, it matches the descriptions of all these other birds of prey. The only major difference is its enormous size. Correct. So all we have to do to prove that the Lawndale Thunderbird exists is to find a bird that's twice the size of an eagle. That's all? Twice the size? Well, the eagle has a wingspan of like seven and a half feet. They're saying that this right. thing had about 20 feet, so a little bit more than twice the size. And you know, I don't see any eagles being painted on the natives. Exactly. <laughs> no, they, they, the eagles may have been a proud animal of the Native Americans, but the Thunderbirds were always at the top of the totem pole. Right. But what happened after that, Chapter 5, since the Lawndale Incident? Credible sightings of the massive Thunderbirds have been far and few in between since the notorious Lawndale incident. Instead of profiting from the experience, the Lowe family has been ostracized in the community, pointing to the fact that this probably wasn't a planned hoax. Many of the community believe the entire story to be a joke, but to what purpose? The Lowe's family didn't gain anything from reporting to the police or to the newspapers. And they shied away from them ever since. Exactly, because all they got from this was ridicule and verbal abuse and dead pigeons. 
Now, despite all of this, they continued to hold true to their story of the incident and the existence of giant birds in Illinois capable of carrying off their children. There are many explanations. The mother ruse and the son marlin could have simply panicked. Memory is unreliable and often prone to embellishment. Well, I'm going to stop you right there. That's true, but it's normally later. It's not split second. And this was like that day, next day. I don't think your memory goes that out of control within that short of time. True, but there is the argument that when you're seeing something and your adrenaline is rushing and everything is happening so fast, that what you see being 20 feet might only have been 7 feet. Ah, heard. So it is possible that you know, Illinois is home to a significant population of turkey vultures, which are large carrion eating birds that could have pegged marlin as an easy meal. Mm. A bird of a bird of that size could have attacked marlin and could have tried to carry him off. No. Though vultures usually don't hunt exactly. live prey. I, I, that's what yeah. No. So yes, there's potential explanations, but the explanations fall flat. Exactly. Another argument is is that the Longdale bird could theoretically have been an errant condor. These giant birds have wingspans more than 10 feet. Though the species is endangered and limited to the West Coast, not the Midwest. So is there a bird that they could have seen and mistaken it for? It could have been a giant condor, but how would a condor have gotten to the Illinois? Right. And it's still not quite as big as a thunderbird. And aren't condors disease food um, well they're carrion eaters so they're like they're part of the vulture family right that's what i mean so, that so again yes either sure but so all the there's plenty of explanations but the explanations aren't quite good enough right. once word of the lawndale incidents made headlines there were several other alleged sightings beginning to surface one eyewitness reported on another website resulting in the killing of a giant bird in December of 1977. Strangely, this event also took place near Lawndale. Cool. Apparently, a woman who was on her way to work one morning when she saw something that looked like a man standing in the road with something over its arms. The woman was collapsed and was hospitalized, but later recovered. A group of men, after hearing this report, went to the spot and found and killed a large bird and then burned the body. That makes no sense. True. So they killed a man-sized bird and kept the story under wraps for some time for fear of ridicule. <laughs> that reminds me of that other story of, I think it was Jersey Devil. You know, where they, they find the Jersey Devil, but then they hide it so no one sees it. It's like, exactly. Nah, I don't really believe you, dude. Yeah, so they had the evidence and then destroyed the evidence. I don't really believe you, dude. <laughs> well, there was another story on the internet that told of an exotic bird sighting by a rural New Holland farmer three days occurring before the Marlin Lowe bird story. Okay. The webpage quote the story in the Courier as, It was larger than a turkey, said Kenneth Nolberg, describing the bird on his farm. I guess it had to weigh 25 pounds or more. He said the bird was a dull gray with a white neck, small beak, and the crest of feathers on its head. The bird's wingspan was estimated at four feet. It looked like an infant. I was going to say, so a baby thunderbird. 
<laughs> That's kind of what he described as, as, a, as a baby version of it. He goes on to say that it wasn't afraid of people, and he wondered at the time if it hadn't escaped from a zoo. So maybe the kid, or maybe, oh, no, because the kid would have said something. So maybe the baby was somewhere around the kid, and the mom and dad didn't want the kid to go after it, so they attacked him before he could get to the There's baby. There's any number of reasons why the bird attacked him. I mean, the kid could have been throwing rocks at the bird in the sky, for all we know. Yeah. We're talking about, you know, a, a child. Yeah, we're talking about a ten-year-old boy playing out in the yard with his friends. The scenarios are limitless for what caused the birds to attack him. Right. It didn't have to be food. It could have been defense. It could have been anger. It could have just been a few days earlier. They saw a baby. True. Now Nolenberg lives ten miles west of Lincoln on Fifth Street Road. And said his family first noticed a strange bird on their farm on 7 p.m. Friday. It had been sitting on top of the barn, and the bird was making a loud trumpeting noise, he added. The trumpeting sound is very reminiscent to how the Thunderbirds got their names, from the sound that he made, making it sound like they, you know, are creating thunder. I thought it was their wings. Well, their wings was, was, was you know, given the uh, credit for it, but a lot of scientists believe that it was probably more like the calls of it that was actually sounding more like oh. the thunder. The baby bird, which flew from rooftop to rooftop of his farm buildings, came down to the ground to eat some corn, which the family had thrown out for it to eat. Other stories surface about giant birds swooping down and carrying off everything from giant rats to pigs in all corners of the central Illinois. Only days after the Lawndale episode, a fisherman on Lake Shelbyville snapped a picture of a giant bird hovering over his boat. The photo appeared in the Angler's hometown newspaper in Tuscola, which I have not yet been able to find. Hopefully I find before this episode goes live and I'll post it in the show notes. Because, yeah, that would be amazing if yeah. he actually had a picture of a giant bird hovering over his boat. Yeah, I saw a picture of um, Mrs. Lowe and Marlin. Yes. But that's all I saw. I know. There haven't been any really good images of birds that could have been the culprit that was involved in this case. Now, back in Lawndale, the Lowe family continued to call the county sheriff's department to work on the incident. Officers were too skeptical to investigate, and the family eventually was subjected to ridicule from their friends and neighbors. Here we go again. They were left on their own to cope with what they believed they witnessed and the aftermath. See, if those people wouldn't have burned that bird, they could have proven it. That would have helped their family very much. That's why they lied. But what did help their family was Jerry D. Coleman. Brother what? to famed Lauren Coleman. Whoa. Yeah, this is something I didn't realize. Uh, I didn't, I've, you know, read everything that Lauren Coleman had done and have been a big fan of his for years. He actually has a brother who is also a cryptozoologist. That's awesome. And he was the first investigator to talk to Ruth and Marlon Lowe about the Thunderbird abduction. He was able to interview Marlon, Ruth, and Jake Lowe on two occasions in 1977. Within hours of the incident. That's awesome. Now, Lauren Coleman returned to the area in 1979 with Jerry to re-interview the Lowe's. It's only two years later. Two years later, they, they did follow up on the case. The family went to some trouble to prove their case, even going so far as to hire some hunters to track the birds down. 
The hunters were said to have found and destroyed a giant bird's nest. But whether or not this belonged to the Lawndale Thunderbird was never proven. Right. And the birds haven't been seen since uh, 1977. Oh, wow. So how many years was the first one? It went from 1950 to 1977. So we're looking at 27 years. So technically that should have been 97. That should have been 2004. Oh, wow. So it looks like the Lawndale Thunderbird may have moved on to greener pastures, <laughs> smaller prey. Yeah. So with our with our story being concluded, I thought we might mention some great movies that uh, feature giant birds. Okay. Thunderbirds aren't specifically used in movies, but there are some great giant bird creature features that I felt deserved to be mentioned if you're interested in having your own Thunderbird movie marathon. Okay. The best representative of a kaiju bird is Rodan, of the Godzilla universe thing. Now, he's had his own movie dating as far back as 1956, and has been prominent in many of the Godzilla movies since then, to include the recent Godzilla vs. Kong of 2021. That was a good one. Yes. Now, they kind of modified his powers since the old movies. The old movies, he was much like a Thunderbird. You know, he'd flap his wings and he'd create hurricanes and, you know, high winds that would destroy cities and villages in Japan, much like a Thunderbird would. The modern version had him coming out of a volcano, so he was kind of like a phoenix or a firebird in the modern version. But to me, Rodan is a Thunderbird. Sinbad had also faced giant bird creatures known as The Rock in many of his movies to include my favorite, The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. Hmm. And this was cool. This was back when uh, Harry Housen would use the claymation-type birds. Right. So it was the still-action giant monster birds. I love those movies. Then you would love The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. It's my favorite Sinbad movie, actually. Hmm. Now, for a more family-friendly giant bird creature, there is Marahoot. The giant golden mother eagle in Disney's 1990 animated film, Rescuers Down Under. Yeah. And what's really cool about that is that the giant uh, golden eagle of that movie does carry the boy Cody during the movie. He does. But in a much friendlier way than the Longdale <laughs> Thunderbird did. Hmm. That's pretty cool. So, I've never even thought about that one. Yeah. So now you have your own movies to choose from if you're still interested in doing some more with Thunderbirds tonight. Hmm. With all that put together, what are some of your final opinions about the Lawndale Thunderbird? Um, I can't believe it hasn't been seen since. I mean, maybe the Coleman scared it away. It's possible. Now, <laughs> there have been Thunderbird sightings in other locations, and we will cover those on future episodes. Like I said, Thunderbirds are, are from Alaska to the Pacific Northwest to the you know the west of Mexico and Texas. So they might just migrate like regular birds. And they might. Totally might. And as we go over some future Thunderbird stories, we might be talking about the same creature. That's cool. You never can tell. But until then, I think this is a good time to watch the skies today and make our way out of the mist and bring this episode to a close. Special thanks to David Facilian and Facilian Studios for our introduction music. We would like to ask you to please leave us a review on the podcast provider you are listening to this podcast on to help promote our show. We are on social media and love to hear your stories and opinions about encounters with giant birds of your own. (laughs) You can reach us on our Facebook page, Within the Mist Podcast, 
And we are also on social medias, Instagram and Twitter. Plus, we have an email address at withinthemistpodcast at gmail.com for any of you who would like to share. We love stories and hearing about your own personal experiences. For those of you who may need a daily dose of cryptids and ghosts, we also have a TikTok channel which gives a few minute clips about a story involving some of your favorites and some unknown creatures and spirits. We hope you enjoyed our stories about the Lawndale Thunderbird, and we'll come again for another episode. But until then, remain constantly curious, and goodbye. See you next time, everyone.